Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, reading from the message translation, it says this. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. And I don't know about you, but desperate times require desperate action. This verse tells us that a wise person is aware of his surroundings. To to a wise person, there's not much that gets past him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the reminder today that your spirit is with us. And, And as we were also reminded, your spirit lives within us. And because you're with us and in us, God, we can go with confidence and courage, boldness in your name. And there is nothing that can stop a person eat up with the spirit of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for that power. The same power that conquered the grave lives in us. And Father, I pray that today you would awaken a sleeping church to the reality of situations and circumstances going on in our world. And God, that we would no longer just turn our backs or sigh in disgust, but that you would awaken a church to be a church of action. That we would realize that we are the carriers of the gospel and what a hurting, broken world needs is what is in us. Come on, somebody. Father, today it is a privilege and it's an honor to join forces with churches all across our area that are proclaiming that Christ is still risen from the dead. And this is still Resurrection Sunday. And Today, God, I specifically want to lift up Living Hope Church here in Bernie, Texas. And for Pastor Jeremy Erickson, Lord, we thank you for how your spirit is present in that house. I pray that today that Pastor Jeremy would preach the sermon of his life, that the walls would shake, that that foundation would quiver, that people would make would, 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 would not be confused and, and, and leave there knowing that they have encountered the presence of a living God. Come on, somebody. Lord, I love Pastor Jeremy's heart, and I asked him how we could pray for the family gathered today at Living Hope, and he asked that we would pray that they would have a heart to reach the lost, that that church family would would, would step into and run to the harvest field. I, I can get behind that, because Father, that's your mandate, that's your calling for us as the church. It's not to sit and be comfortable in a padded seat or a pew, but you call us to go and to bring in the harvest. In fact, you you knew that we would get comfortable. You knew that this would be a, a, a struggle for us. That's why you said in the book of Matthew that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So Lord, today your church needs to be awakened pray for your presence at Living Hope Church, just as you are present with us here today. Anybody felt him yet? He wants to come and intersect your life this morning. 
The spirit is willing. How's your flesh? Lord, just come and have your way in us. Be glorified today as we awaken a sleeping giant, the church of Jesus Christ. It's in your awesome holy name we pray. Amen. Mm. Shout out to Clayton York. You, you, I, I, yeah, I, I warned you. Uh, I, I warned you, white people, last week that we were going to urbanize you a little bit. And, and just let me help you with that. Was not a rap. That's a spoken word. That's not a rap. Some of you go, dude. That rap was sweet. It was dope. No, it was spoken word, and it was awesome. And so, um, but Clayton, thank you for coming and and, and sharing with us today. Um, We're honored to have him with us. Today, we start a new series. You like the artwork that I just kind of threw it together last night and ran to Hobby Lobby and grabbed a few cans and uh, just kind of, no, actually, we had an artist from Corpus come in and and bless us with this. Um, Today, we start a new series entitled Stay Woke. And and, and this is a phrase that if if, if you have a teenager living under your roof, you probably have, have, there's a good chance you may have heard this phrase before. Um, I, I, I dropped it a few months back with, with our students when, when, when my student pastors actually let me preach on a Wednesday night in front of our students. But I'm not bitter about that or anything. But, 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 but I dropped that phrase, and you would have thought that I'd given them the key to the Lamborghini or something, you know. Stay woke. It's a phrase that's popular amongst students, younger generations today. And, and that phrase, when, when you see this phrase or when you hear this phrase to stay woke, it, it means to have a complete awareness of what's going on around you. Specifically in our journey today and over these next few weeks, to, to, to look at the social ills of our day, to maybe come to an understanding of what the root cause of what is causing all of the problems that we face. You know that there's some stuff going on in our world today, right? Does anybody, does it hurt your heart in any form or fashion? Stay woke is a call for us to, to see beyond the news clips and, and the political rhetoric that wants us to believe lies instead of seeing the truth. Stay woke is, is a call to, to acknowledge the injustices where, wherever they may be and for us to speak truth to power while also taking action to bring about positive change. Stay woke. Stay woke. And the reason we need to stay woke is because he woke. And because he woke... There must still be a plan to carry out in this world we live in. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. Nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Stay woke. Stay woke is is, is a call for us to be aware of our surroundings in church. Can I just tell you, ignorance is no excuse. Stay woke means for us to be be aware of the things that are affecting our community and staying engaged in in order to resist any action that may adversely affect our community and the people that live within it. You see, we resist injustices with the power of love because the last time I read it in the Word, 
Love will conquer hate. We operate at 1910 for uh, each year with, with a word for the year. We cast a vision for a word, and, 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 and that word kind of becomes the, the litmus test for, for the things that we carry out in, in, in our various ministries and, 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 and approaches to, to serving and meeting needs of people here in, 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 in our communities. And, and our word for the year this year at 1910 is the word anybody? Anybody? Great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Lord, heaven, help me, Father. I have failed these people. The word is Herculean. No, it's the word influence. The word influence. And we've been challenging you evidently not very well. We've been challenging you over the last several months to influence the communities, influence the lives of people that you come in contact with. You see, when you influence something, you change the way that it thinks and acts. You change its behavior. Are you with me? Listen, make no mistake about it that we have been given the good news of Jesus Christ not only for our benefit, but to be dispensers of that good news in the lives of others that we come in contact with. Am I talking to anybody today? You better stay woke. You, you, you better talk back. I, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Influence. God has positioned us and he's planted us here not just to gather and sing some great songs and enjoy a, a, a spoken word. But he's positioned us here to use the influence that he's placed within us to change the culture in which we live in. And I just wonder, do we think culture needs to be changed? You know, there are so many crazy things going on in our world today. The things that are not a part of God's original plan for creation. Hurts, pains, social injustices like racism and abuse and poverty, starvation, gender inequality. Listen, church, we need to stay woke. We need to be aware of all of these things that are happening around us. But more importantly, we need to take action. Okay, let me say that again. We need to be aware of all these things that are happening around us. But more importantly, we need to take action. Action. Now, you would think by now with some of these social injustices that, that I alluded to and that Clayton so eloquently threw out in front of us today, you, you, you would think by now we would have figured out how to treat one another, wouldn't you? You would think that by now we, we would kind of have a, a, a pretty good grasp on, on how we should respond to others around us. The civil rights movement happened 50 years ago. Yet in the past few years, when trending conversations included things like hashtag Black Lives Matter... When, when trending conversations included police brutality, when trending conversations including changing public perception of race relations. Listen, with all that present, it still seems to me that tensions remain high. We're talking about racism. We're talking about it more and more, but it doesn't seem to be helping. What it does seem to reveal is more frustration and more pain. Let me just start by, by defining that term racism. 
Racism is about making quick judgments on the characteristics of a race to rate them as inferior or superior, demonstrating partiality or bias. And this thing called racism is a problem that we can't ignore or run away from. It's an issue today, is it not? It's been an issue throughout history, has it not? Including even when God's word, the Bible, was written. Did you know that? You you remember Jesus' encounter with a woman at the well in John chapter 4? She had a problem with that conversation and how it started that day, remember? Because he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. Also, he was a man and she was a woman. If you know anything about the Samaritan people, they have always been looked upon as kind of a a half-breed, lesser than any others throughout history. We know that through through reading of the Scripture that, that the Jews and the Gentiles oftentimes viewed each other in a different light, didn't they? That's why Paul would speak to that and remind us of certain things as we read his letters written encouragement that there is none that are different listen as as i think about this thing called racism and this idea of of, of seeing some people as inferior and and some as superior as 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 treating some with partiality or or with bias there's something that stands out to me hey listen other people don't determine our value god does god does and, and, and for someone to tell you what you are or who you are, listen, don't you buy into that because that's not what determines who you are. You look to the one who knit you together and formed you in your mother's womb. You look to the one who says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God don't make no junk. I know that's grammatically improper, but you get my point. Our other people don't determine our value. God does. And you need to know that God isn't about separation, but inclusion and unity. You see, Jesus made it possible for anyone to be included. Anyone can be included in the people and the promises of God, can't they? Red and yellow, black and white. You know that. You know that. We learned that in Sunday school as a second grader. Do we live that? Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all what? You are all what? One in Christ Jesus. You see, the good news, the gospel doesn't just mean that you and I are brought near to God. The good news, the gospel also means that we're brought near to the people we once considered so different from ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God restores our relationships with people and with groups that we've mistreated. That's what scripture calls reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is the removal of prejudice and the restoration of a relationship to a healthy understanding 
and appreciation for each other. One of the things you need to know about our God is that our God that we worship here at 1910 Church is a God of reconciliation. God is a God of reconciliation. And the gospel, the very text that we use and we read from every week, the Bible, the gospel is one at its core. It's a message of reconciliation. You see, had God chosen to treat you like we oftentimes treat one another, there would be no hope for any of us in this room today. But God looked past your junk and your funk and your skin color and your sin and all your crap, and he brought you back into a relationship through Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You ought to get a little jacked up about that. That's a freaking master's golf clap. Somebody ought to get excited. See, God brings peace where there was once strife and kindness where there was once animosity. He did it with us, and I'm telling you, he can do it with us between us and our neighbors. Whether you're black or white, you're Latino, or whether you are otherwise, our God is a reconciling God. And check this out. You sitting down for this one? Those of you watching online, you better hold on to your seat right now. Those of you sitting on the beach, you about to get blown away. If we belong to Jesus Christ, we are part of his movement to bring more reconciliation between people and God. You are to be a part of reconciliation. That is to be a practice that all of us participate in. You see, as his representatives, we have the opportunity to share how the life-changing message of the gospel creates this healthy relationship with God and healthy relationships between people, no matter who they are. How are you doing with that? When's the last time you walked across the aisle or the street or drove to the other side of the city and you interface and you interact with someone who looked just a little bit different than you? When's the last time you shared a meal with them? When's the last time you went to one of their kids' performances or athletic events? When's the last time you said, hey, how can I partner with you through prayer. Come on, somebody. You see, your job and my job as we learn to follow Jesus step by step, it includes reconciliation because the message of Jesus is that we all belong with God together. There is no separation. There is no difference in status or worth. Listen, we we oftentimes talk about how what we do here on earth is practice for heaven. It's practice for eternity. You know that heaven's going to be filled with lots of colors. Not just the streets and what they're made of and posts and all that stuff, but I'm telling you with people. Red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious and Jesus died for them all. Can we not just start practicing right now for heaven? Can we not just start mingling with some of our brothers and sisters that one day we're going to spend eternity with? I would hate for you to get to heaven one day and, and, and be embarrassed because you hadn't been practicing here on earth. <laughs> You'd be left out. We're all his children. and We're all going to get to worship him for eternity one day. Hallelujah. What about this area of abuse in our culture today? 
Some of you here bear the marks and you experience abuse on a certain level. Abuse is rampant in our world. Verbal abuse, emotional abuse, there's physical abuse. I, I stepped out on a limb today and I just, I, I just kind of took my pastoral robe off this morning a little bit and, and I made this statement. And I know that it's probably not biblical, but can I just be human for just a few minutes? I think that what people do to other people in this area of abuse, we ought to take them behind the woodshed and do the same thing to them. Now, I, I, listen, again, that, that, that's just me speaking, all right? But, but I just want you to know that I'm a human and I'm a man sometimes, and I get torqued off. Start to say something else bad that would, they would have to censor on the uh, recording today. But abuse, it's rampant. It's people exerting their will and their desires and their wants and, 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 and abusing and punishing other people. Can I just tell you what the Bible regards abuse as? It calls it sin. Because we're called to love one another. Did you hear me? Jesus said so. John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Woo! If you're looking for a new tattoo, that's a good one to get. Do it on that back. You just put it out there. When you rock that swimsuit, this, it's going to be on display. I'm sorry, I've watched that car wash video too many times. <laughs> so embarrassed for our student ministry right now. Just kidding, you guys are pasty. Y'all need some sun. <laughs> Tan embedded or something, you know. It's bad. Abuse! I'm sorry, I just abused you guys verbally. I apologize. <laughs> Woe is me. I, the, the altar will be open for repentance today. Amen. But abuse... Abuse disregards others, and it's the opposite of this command in John 13, to love others. You see, an abuser desires to, to satisfy his, his natural selfishness, regardless of the consequence to himself, but he has no concern for other people who are in the path of it. Jesus has called us to join him in his work, to believe in him with all that we have. And that cost sometimes, listen, it might be hard to bear or understand. But when it's put in the perspective of all that Jesus Christ has done for us, particularly, we could just talk about him dying for our sins. Listen, is, is it too much to ask that we love others and accept them just as we've been accepted and received? And I'm not talking about necessarily just, just the color of a person's skin, but what about socioeconomic status? What about what high school you do actually go to? Where you live? Gated or non? Permanent or mobile? What would happen if we took John 13 to heart and loved as we're called to? You see, the currency of Jesus' kingdom is different than ours, isn't it? Jesus' economy is based on self-sacrifice, and the currency is love. So you see, for Jesus, belief and action are one and the same. You, you, you cannot have one without the other. Did you hear what I just said? Belief and action are the same. You cannot have one without the other. Here's my concern with the church of Jesus Christ in America today. There will be filled today with people who believe lots of things about God the Father. They will be challenged with incredible messages and sermons from preachers on, on, on platforms and in pulpits today. But they will leave here and not apply and put into action jack squat of what they've been told. 
Somebody once accused me, hey, why do you always preach the same message? And my response was, because I'm waiting for you to start living that one message out. Then I'll go to something else. Belief and action. You know, the more I reflect on the problem of poverty in our culture today and what Jesus had to say about it, the more I realize that we own the problems as much as the impoverished people do. You see, our inactions have created many of the problems. We all, all of us, are at fault for the state of our world. I was watching, and many of you probably saw the social media postings this week of Covenant Church in Carrollton, Texas that seeded this this health fund for people that would be experiencing medical bills and issues. And and, and I think they seeded it with $100,000. But as of today, they've paid out over $10 million worth of medical expenses. You see, that's the church taking action. That's the church not just saying, hey, we believe in healing and we believe that, that, that we ought to come alongside of people and help it. But, but it's, it's, it's a church family, it's a body taking action to do something about it. You see, we can join Jesus in changing the state of our world, can't we? And listen, if Jesus believed that belief is about action, why don't we believe that? If Jesus believed that, that we really should, should leave these walls today and go out and do something about what we hear, why don't we do that? Why have we not dedicated ourselves to to bringing true discipleship and love to others when we know that that's what Jesus Christ has called us to do? What good is belief without us being people that offer hope? God has asked us to demonstrate our belief by bringing the good news to those people in our culture today. And you know who they are. Those people that feel hopeless. We're called to drop everything for him. I just wonder, what is he calling you to drop for him today? This is Jesus' view of the economy. He he, he envisions what what the world could look like, and he's calling you and I to, to make his vision a reality. But it comes as we exchange the currencies of the world with this currency that he spoke of in John 13, love. And we go on and on, but let me just hit another area real quick, if that's okay. You guys, you'll go, you guys okay? Yeah. Okay. Cool. What about gender inequality? Gender inequality. Hey, the very first book of the Bible is a book entitled what? Not, not Holy Matrimony, where you get to write in, you know, when you got married. You know, you put your name and when you got married. No, not that. Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27, the Bible tells us this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Whose image? Who? who, who? God's. In, 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 In his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, from the very beginning, God has created differences. He, he made, as it says here in Genesis 1.27, he made both male and, and female. You see, listen, God had a plan. 
And he knew that, that this creation of a male and female would be best fulfilled by, by having two different genders of people. Listen, we were never meant to be equal. We were never supposed to be the same. God needed those differences for his plan to work. And he didn't worry. It wasn't a big deal to him that one wasn't like the other. In fact, he wanted diversity. He wanted them to be different. But it was their differences that would make them helpers for one another. It was their differences that would be needed so that, so that they could, could work together because they, they began to, to complement each other. Listen, one wasn't better than the other, just different. Male wasn't better and the, the woman wasn't better. They just, they're just different. Imagine if God had only made one gender. You ever thought about that? I mean, the human race would have lasted only all of one generation, and then it would have been extinct. But God had a diverse planet, and he needed two different humans. But you need to know something. They were equal in value since they were both made in his likeness. Did you hear that? They were equal in value because they were both made in his likeness. I, I, I truly, truly believe that if God thought less of women, he would have said so, and he wouldn't have made woman in his image. He would have only made a man. And boy, the world would really be jacked up these days, wouldn't it? We could go on and on today. But I, I'm going to put the brakes on this because I don't want to use all my stuff. I want you to come back. But here's what I want to ask you today. As you survey the culture and the communities in which you live, and as you, as you listen to and watch and, and are staying woke to what's happening all around you, what is it in your spirit that just causes you holy discontent? What is it that fires you up? What is it that causes your stomach to hurt and turn over? What, what is that fire in your gut? And the greater question is, what will you do about it? As you can see, and I've tried to just briefly today lay out some things, but listen, it's time for the church not to sleep. We can't sleep any longer. We need to wake up from our slumber. We can't remain oblivious to what's happening all around us. We are the gospel carriers in our out-of-control world in which we live in. This hurting world that needs us, they need love. The love the hope that we possess. The Spirit of Christ is in you, believer. Let him out. Let him out. Somebody let the Spirit loose this week in your community. Walk across the street. Walk across the aisle. 
interact with someone who's hurting and desperate. Oh, let Jesus out. Church, it's time to stay woke. It's time to do something about it. Would you stand with me today as I pray and dismiss us? Our ministry team is going to be standing down front today and, and just know that we stand here ready today to come alongside of you and encourage you with whatever you're facing. We would be honored to pray with you. But I want you to bow your heads and just ponder this. For What is it that you feel like right now the Spirit of God is, is stirring within you? A call to action. And God, I pray that we, whatever it is that you're doing in us right now, Father, we would step out and do something about it. That we would no longer be found guilty of believing lots of things or even talking a big game. But Father, what would be our trademark, our DNA, is that we are people of action. We are the carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the dispensers of love and hope in a broken, fallen world. God, I pray, I pray. Father, we would do something about what we see happening around us. Not for our glory, but for yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.